Hello and welcome to the brand new Portfolio Podcast, your weekly source for engaging conversations and new ideas in personal finance. My name is T.R. Vivek and I head digital news operations for the Business Line. Business Line Portfolio is our premium personal finance weekly special issue that is published every Sunday. 10 pages of portfolio combine credible research, insightful journalism, offer you the best actionable advice on everything related to personal finance, from insurance to fixed deposits to investing in equities and everything in between. Business Line Portfolio is quite a unique product. Unlike other newspapers that dispense personal finance wisdom, we have our own crack team of researchers and personal finance experts, and we leverage years of expertise in this area. A lot of our research, almost all of our research, in fact, is in-house and original, and we use our proprietary mutual fund rating system called StarTrack. I have with me Parvata Vardhini, who is the big boss at Business Line Portfolio, and she heads our research bureau. Vardhini is a chartered accountant. She specializes in taxation, mutual funds, and tracks companies in the consumer sector. Vardhini, how are you? Hi, Vivek. I'm good. I see that you've revamped the Business Line Portfolio starting the new year. Could you tell us a little bit about the thinking behind why you decided to revamp Portfolio? So I think everyone likes to fresh and revamp because it gives a feeling of doing something new. I think it was almost seven or eight years since we did the previous launch. So we thought it was time to do a launch again. The other factor was also that because of the lockdown and COVID and all, a lot of interest was moving towards the personal finance and the investing side. So we thought at this time, if we could bring something more relevant to investors, it would actually take off well. So that was the main idea behind the relaunch. We changed the color scheme and we also gave a new design so that people look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, it's easy on the eye. Yeah, I yeah, noticed that. Yeah. And we've shifted portfolio on Sunday. What was the thinking behind it? See, from the feedback I get, I think we served the purpose. It was to give enough time for people to observe whatever information we give. It's about seven pages and it's all very deeply researched writing. So I think people need time to look into it and prepare. Typically, when you write market-related pieces, you would want to execute it in the week ahead. So uh, publishing it on Sunday would give people enough time to mull over whatever we have advised and then probably execute it on a Monday. It's it's in-depth stuff for serious investors. Yes, so it would require one or two hours probably from what readers tell us. They have time like that only on Sunday, so it works. Readers, you know what can take care of your Sunday mornings. <laughs> but what's been the feedback so far from the readers? The feedback is very good actually. So we have a few new sections in the new portfolio which readers have noticed. For example, we have this section for first-time investors called Do-It-Yourself Investing. Typically in mutual funds, this comes out in terms of reviewing apps. So a lot of people now don't use brokers or the traditional brick and mortar structure to invest. So they all use apps. So we review apps and we tell them what is good or what is bad about it and all that. So they find it very useful. The other section is also about using stock screeners. Instead of per se giving stock recommendations, we use certain parameters to filter stocks and give them ideas. So readers have welcomed these two new features a lot. As also this uh, derivative section, I don't think any other publication has such good coverage of derivatives. Mm -hmm. And again, derivatives 
services is another area where there's been a lot of interest since the lockdown and derivative trading has caught on very rapidly with a lot of people. Even people who don't know what exactly a stock market is are very enticed by derivatives trading. So that way, that page also has got a lot of attention. We have a section called Mastering Derivatives where we mm-hmm. give them ideas or strategies how to execute. Anthony, before we get into the complex world of derivatives, mm-hmm. let me start off with something very basic and simple. What struck my eye in your last week's portfolio mm-hmm. were two pieces. One about New Year resolutions for your finance. This is a time typically when people should be making New Year resolutions. And I hope those New Year resolutions also include sprucing up your personal finances. And this is also the time when you are inundated with advertisements from financial services companies. So I wanted to ask, how should people go about even thinking or planning their personal finance? What constitutes the basic building blocks of a good personal finance plan. See, the earlier the better is all right. Yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. But it's never but, too late. But it's never too late, yes. So, assuming you've already started earning, that's when you have money in your hands. You can right away go about planning out your finances. And planning out your finances wouldn't mean only investing. It would also mean probably saving wisely first instead of spending too much. Because when people start earning, they tend to spend a lot. Spending wisely and saving the money is the first step. After you save the money in your bank account, then you go to where you want to invest. Then you have several options for investing depending on your risk appetite, whether you want want to put it in your FD or your RD or a start a mutual fund SIP, they all mm-hmm. come afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I would say the first thing is probably at least start with 30-40% savings from your monthly salary. This is assuming you don't have any loans and all because many people tend to take home loans and personal loans much before they start their investments. Mm-hmm. But really, I think caring about personal finances, especially in these times, becomes mm-hmm. even more important. At this time when we're talking job losses and almost there's hardly a company that mm-hmm. hasn't affected pay cut of some sort, there is a fall in household incomes. Mm. Don't you think if we look at personal finance, can we break it into three stages? We say securing your family, their sources of income and stabilizing your finances and then looking to grow your money, your capital. Sure, that's fair enough. For youngsters, they don't think so much in terms of insuring, securing. Youngsters, it's more about spending and saving. But when you have a family a few years into your job, then whatever you suggested would probably be the right way to go about it. So that way, securing both life insurance and health insurance is absolutely essential. So many people tend to think that if employer gives you the life cover or your health cover, then you needn't take any covers by yourself. But you always end up sometimes losing your job, like how you just said. Sometimes you may switch jobs and they may not give you the same facilities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you may try to be an entrepreneur and you may not have the cover. So it's always best to have security first. And that means you have to have a life cover, preferably a term insurance. So we don't want people to get into these kind of products, insurance products, which give you the money back because it doesn't serve the purpose. Before we get into the details Mm -hmm. of insurance as a product, I often heard financial planners say that good and adequate insurance is a basic building block of a good financial plan. Is, Is that true? That's true. Adequate insurance would depend upon and how what much, is adequate insurance? Yeah, how much income. Basically, it's a function of income. So we would probably say 10 times your annual income, you should have insurance. So if my annual salary is 10 lakhs, I should have an insurance cover for a crore? 
in a way yes but it would also depend on your liabilities for example you have a home loan mm-hmm. and then you have an emi outflow for the home loan now suppose halfway through something unfortunate happens and your loans are still left to be paid mm-hmm. then probably you will have to cover that also when you take an insurance so that will be a plus or minus factor but a basic rule of thumb would be 10 times your annual income yeah. now i always found that insurance is the least glamorous financial product especially when you're young people tend to give it the short shrift you know because i don't think they can visualize the returns then you're going to help your family in the eventuality of you not being around is that a hindrance in terms of people's mindset when they think about insurance yeah i think it definitely is which is why as i mentioned earlier people go for insurance products which give the money back mm. and they lose out there because the premium outflow is very high and at the same time the returns you get so it's the lure of some money coming, coming back coming back yeah people look at it like that so mm-hmm. the mindset is that people want the money back because they want to see it in their lifetime but that's not the right approach to insurance so you should always opt for term insurance as i had mentioned the term insurance would be a simple and pure insurance plan pure insurance plan say you take a policy for 30 years and you survive the 30 year period nothing will come into your hands yeah. but the outflow in terms of premium will be much lower that is the purpose of insurance actually you're covered if something untoward happens if not fine you've not lost much vardhini like insurance what are the other sort of stabilizing and securing instruments that people tend to overlook ppf is a great product actually so how does it work see ppf is a 15 year product typically it's a long term it has a 15 year lock in 15 year lock in which means that if you start investing in it today you will be able to take that money out after 15 years yeah there are some conditions based on which you can pull out your money early and all that but, but there are really exceptions exceptions yes typically 15 years okay. and the thing is every year you need to put in a basic sum to keep the account going. around 500 if i'm not wrong 500 a month 500 a year oh, yeah. actually okay. but that okay. doesn't serve the purpose you yeah. need to put much more because you're allowed to put up to 1.5 lakhs as you all know for your income tax deduction up to 1.5 lakhs is allowed as an investment in ppf and this comes under atc atc exactly so ppf is a great product for the simple reason that there is no taxation see when you invest initially there is this atc deduction which you get and there is no taxation on the interest which you earn in ppf the maturity sum also again it just comes into your hands for free and there is no taxation at that level also looking at it from the point of view of putting 1 lakh or 1.5 lakhs a year the amount after 15 years can really grow and when you file your income tax returns if you see exempt income you kind of put your ppf interest it will run into lakhs actually See, that's the so invisible that the advantage, advantage right that exactly. which people miss exactly. and they go for instruments that offer returns yeah. in double digits say exactly. for instance compared to something like this yes. there is the power of compounding and you have tax free returns yes. at the end of it financial planners talk a lot about contingency funds mm-hmm. what is the value of a contingency fund and how much should i look to have as a contingency fund okay. it varies see financial planners start with having 6 months of monthly expenses as contingency funds okay. that's the thumb rule typically but now because of covid and job losses the 6 months has become 9 months some people even say 12 months so the higher the better always mm-hmm. but what is important about this contingency fund is that you cannot go lock it in an instrument like the ppf that we discussed yeah, yeah liquidity is important liquidity i need to be able important. to tap yes. into that fund That's right. when i need it at the same time if you keep it in your savings bank account then the interest rates are very low there 2ish 3% percent. some mm-hmm. of them give you 4% percent. so you have to balance out the return versus the liquidity when saving for contingencies what we would always suggest is you have these sweep options in your savings account where whatever sum is ex- 
places, you sweep it out into a deposit. And when you want it, it can be swept back into your account. So that way, the amount which goes into the sweep account will earn slightly higher, a fixed deposit rate instead okay. of a savings bank rate. Is there a lock-in period like a fixed there deposit? There is a, for that? not a lock-in. You don't have a lock-in period. So okay. it will be reversed to your account in case you want to withdraw it. Of course, there may be some penalty for early reversal or things like that, but it doesn't matter because it won't affect you in any way. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting 2-3% here in your savings account, that would probably give you 5% mm -hmm. in today's uh, scenario. Mm -hmm. So that's slightly better. Otherwise, there are a few options like even directly into fixed deposits. Mm -hmm. Those can be broken. You can take your certificate if you have a physical one to your bank and say you want the mm -hmm. money. Those deposits can be broken. Typically, these are the instruments. Otherwise, for more sophisticated investors, there are liquid funds. But, mm -hmm. uh, that I think we could sure. discuss another yeah. day. Would it be fair to say that these are extremely low risk investments? See, if you look at FD, yes. But today, if you look at uh, banks, again, you'll have to be very choosy about that's, that's banks a whole today. Other that's story. another subject. See, assuming you have a savings bank account in, say, an SBI or something. That way, you can be rest assured that your money is safe. Also, the other factor for FD is that there is this deposit insurance cover for 5 lakhs. Mm -hmm. There is a deposit insurance corporation with which banks are supposed to insure all the deposits that they have. But it may not serve contingencies. It may come after six months or one year. So mm -hmm. that way, we'll have to be a little careful. Yes. Yeah. Fair to say that these are... Uh, fairly very safe instruments when compared lowest to... Possible. Lowest possible. Yeah. yeah. Risk factors. Exactly. Is there an age or an income bracket where people should feel comfortable investing in equity markets? If having secured and stabilized mm -hmm. my plan, mm -hmm. if I then want to be in a growth phase, if I want to grow my capital, mm -hmm. how should I go about it? See, actually for equities, as you said, once you've secured and stabilized, the earlier you start, the better. Because when you're young, you can take more risks and you wouldn't have too much of financial commitments assuming maybe if you don't yet have a family, you don't have uh, children going to school and all that. It's much easier to lose your shirt even in the equity market. So that way, earlier the better. Whether to go through any planners or through people who advise or to go with your own research, it depends. You can follow a combination of a lot of things. But whether your broker advises you or whether you read up on your own, you should always know where to stop. That is a very important thing. In today's markets, anybody can get very greedy. So if you probably achieved a certain percentage of return in whatever stock you've invested in, probably if you book your profits regularly, you'll find that the equity markets can be rewarding provided you do your research and choose the right stocks. When you say too greedy, how do you define too greedy? Do the benchmarks depend on the individual? See, in today's scenario, for example, your deposits give you 6% returns. Mm. If you look at mutual funds which invest in debt, which take little more risk, will probably give you 8% returns. So when we look at it, we would say your equity investments should give you more than this and also give you a cover for inflation. So assuming inflation is at 4-5%. So add your 6-7% plus another 4-5%. 11 to 12 percent returns is you should be happy with an equity but in today's markets you can never you know say that because it's a roaring bull market and people are seeing from the march lows many stocks have doubled tripled and all that so as an advisor long-term returns in equity 12 percent is good enough and how long is long see all these are extremely subjective i mm. wouldn't be able to say but individual stocks again it depends on your choice of stocks when you entered and how much money you made because one of the mantras of investing in the mm. stock market, everyone urges you to be a long-term player and to be in, in it for the long term. So how do financial planners define long term? Is it 5 years, 8 years, 10 years? Yes, see we would say 5 years initially. Now it's become 7 years. Mm -hmm. But the higher the better actually. So 10 years. 
20 years. So what is the advantage of being in it for the long term? Is it because you can ride out the ups and downs, downs exactly. and so, you can uh, rise yeah. with the tide and you know uh, make good the losses that that's you true. may have See, incurred uh, when the market's I, crash? That's right. But when I say this, I also include equity mutual funds, not only direct mm-hmm. equities. Mutual funds is also another way to play the Mutual funds that invest in the in, equity in the equities. So I would suggest this for stocks directly mm-hmm. there is nothing like short term long term and all that it depends basically on what returns you are happy with mm-hmm. and booking profits after you've made a certain amount of returns is always when you when you achieve your target target yeah. and when you find that at least partial profits so that mm-hmm. you save i mean you earned it so that you realize it so, so you otherwise un- unsentimentally sell the sell stock it. and pocket exactly. the money you have to realize otherwise it's sitting there in your account it's only virtual it's not real mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that will play for direct equities. For direct equities, we can never say 5 years, 10 years, 20 years. It's a very varied thing depending on individuals. What I call as long term and I say 5 years, 10 years would probably be more applicable for equity mutual funds. Even the returns that I say 12%, I would say it is for equity mutual funds because for stocks, sky is the limit actually. Yeah. So that way, yes, this 10 year, 20 year time frame would help you navigate the ups and downs and then come out unscathed properly. How difficult is it for a retail investor or you know someone who is just venturing into investing directly in the stock market to be able to pick stocks? That seems to be an art and a science combined. You obviously have the business line portfolio, but how to avoid the big boopers when it comes to investing in stock markets? For investing directly, you should read the company fundamentals. That sounds like a lot of hard work. That's a lot of hard work. See, a lot of people also look into the charts. There are like two schools of thoughts here, isn't it? Technical analysis and fundamental analysis. So a lot of people look at what the charts foretell and then they invest saying, okay, in the short term, probably the stock is going to spike. So it's a good investment. But the more surefire way to do it is to look at the company fundamentals. That's like you can write a whole book or read a whole book as to how you should read company fundamentals, various financial parameters. Many experts are there. They'll tell you the company should have moat, the company should have good ROEs, the company should be a market leader, should not have high debt. There are various parameters. Vatri, I'm not an expert myself and you know my wife is the kind of person you know we were having a discussion on personal finances Mm -hmm. a few years ago and I told her that we should invest and she said yeah no can we invest in art so that was her idea of personal finances so all this seems rather heavy going for someone with a bent of mind like my wife's Mm. (laughs) no art can be a really really great investment if you know what you're buying but yeah they're all alternative with an investable corpus of a lakh I'm Um, sure she couldn't have bought too much art with that money mm. but I'm sure art has its own mm. science and, and yeah. art of buying art but for people like those it, it can be quite intimidating right to be able to make sense of these technical charts and having to pour through company fundamentals mm. of reading their balance sheet mm. you can never make quick money you have to do the hard work otherwise yeah. it's very difficult to make money you can't simply throw a dart and say I'll invest in this stock it never works that way for people like those does it make sense to invest in equity based mutual funds where you have fund managers who are equipped with knowledge and large amounts of data to make those decisions for small investors? Yes, that's right. So, mutual fund route is like a more diversifying route to investing into the equity markets because typically any equity mutual fund will hold say 20, 30, 40, even some of them even have 70 stocks. So, that way, even a thousand rupees that you invest 
probably if you invest directly in stocks you'll be able to buy one or two stocks depending on the stock price you, you'll be able to buy 10 stocks but here you'll be able to buy much more so mm -hmm. that way it is very well diversified and also you hand it over to somebody who knows what he or she is doing so that we way, hope so we hope so yeah. yes so that way it is probably an easier route for investors who don't have enough time to read and look at their trades every day as to how their stocks are doing and things like that. That was it for part one. In part two, we'll move on to the other big kahuna of investing in India, which is gold. Well, the financial planners talk about diversification of a portfolio. We've touched upon insurance, other low-risk investment avenues. We've discussed mutual funds and investing directly in equities. What role does gold play? Gold really kind of polarizes opinion that it is literally a dead asset which lies in your walls or in your locker at home. And it really, your money doesn't really work for you if you invest in gold. What is your advice to people who are... We're looking at gold. See, gold as jewelry and gold as coins was what was driving interest in gold for a long time. But I would say that that's slightly becoming a little archaic because people are waking up to gold ETFs and sovereign gold bonds. So these are paper gold kind of instruments. Uh, gold ETFs are typically mutual funds. So that way you get to invest in the price appreciation of gold alone and you don't have to own physical gold. That way the fact that it is lying in your walls and then you have to take care of it, somebody shouldn't drop it, all that problem is taken care of. So gold is a good diversifier because for the simple reason that gold and equity markets don't move hand in hand. Maybe the last year was probably an exception. Gold is a safe haven investment. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what is yeah. the safe haven in all the reports that yes. I read about gold? Yes. Unerringly, it is described as the safe yes. haven. It's because it is the same mindset with which at home, why do you have gold? In the past, it's always considered that if it comes to it, you can sell your gold. Gold will never lose its value. Actually, it's not so, but it's a psychological thing that if you have gold, then even the toughest of times you can survive. So that is why gold is considered a safe haven. So it played out last year when all over the world, this economic growth took a great hit because of COVID. So that way people move to gold as a safe So when there is volatility in the market, market people decide people to invest, invest in gold, in gold exactly. or you know, other precious metals like silver. Silver and gold, yes, gold. are doing well, yes. Which is why it is safe even when there is an economic downturn or when equity markets do badly or gold serves the purpose. Mm -hmm. So as I had mentioned earlier, so people are now waking up to sovereign gold bonds. Even as we speak, there's another issue of sovereign gold bond which is open for investments. Mm -hmm. So investors can consider this kind of uh, investments which don't require you to have lockers. What, what part of your portfolio should be made up of gold? So considering you have equity and your fixed deposits and PPF kind of instruments, we would probably say 10%, max, max 15%. Not more than that. You can't make up a portfolio entirely of, say, gold and equity and ignore your PPF or your FD. So it ha there has to be a balance. Whatever be your risk appetite, it's a maximum of 15%, nothing more than that. Hmm. So, what do we need to wrap up this conversation? When you say you should save 40% of your salary, how do you divvy up that 40%? How would you recommend people allocating that amount in all these different investment avenues? If I'm able to set aside 10,000 a month. Okay. And do remember, no amount is small enough yes. for investment. 
So as we were discussing, we would uh, look at it from uh, allocating a sum to equity, allocating a sum to debt and allocating a sum to gold. Okay. So these are the three what we call asset classes, mm -hmm. which you should diversify into to get the maximum bang for your buck, if I can say that. This is assuming you have taken care of your insurance needs. Insurance and yes, assuming your monthly routine expenses, assuming you have contingency funds, all that, assuming everything, then say you have 10,000 rupees. If you have a moderate risk appetite, not very low, not very high, which means about 50 to 60% can go into equities, whether it is direct equities or through mutual funds, you decide depending on you know how much risk you're willing to take. About 10% as I said to gold, so the remaining 30% probably can go into your FDs or your PPF. So that is the kind of allocation to begin with. What is more important is that you should take a relook at this allocation, say every six months or every year. So assuming like one of your new year resolutions every year should be to look at the allocation, how it has performed. Like last year, equity did very well. So your 50% allocation probably would have become 75% now because the market has gone up, mm. which means you should rebalance and bring it back to 50%. Which is what I was telling you earlier about booking profits regularly. Once you decide 50 plus 30, 40 plus 10, should always make sure that that balance is maintained. That way, I think you'll save well. Ardhani, thanks a lot for your insights. Thanks, Vivek. Nice. Thank you, Ardhani. And do follow us on Twitter. We are at the rate BL Portfolio. In subsequent episodes of the podcast, we will have a deep dive on each of these asset classes. And also, we will analyze individual stocks in great detail. We'll have both fundamental and technical analysis of some of the hot and trending stocks. That's it for this week. Tune in for more on personal finance and investing. Thank you very much.